It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Hyperice, the leader in advanced warm-up and recovery technology. They have tons of innovative products, like Venom-heated wearables to help soothe sore back muscles, Normatec compression boots to speed up recovery and increase circulation, and Hypervolt massage guns to improve mobility. Loved by athletes like Naomi Osaka and Erling Holland. Try them yourself. Get 10% off your order with the code MOVE at hyperrice.com. And welcome into Poke the Bear episode 38. 38. Player, I was th- trying to think about this before we started recording who a good number 38 would be, and I couldn't think of one. Honestly, this time. It's not like the Bergeron thing where we kind of joked about it, but I, I number 38 on the Bruins. I always love starting a show off by not knowing something. I think there's no better way to start a show off than being like, I don't know something that I should have probably looked up before. But that is it. Poke the Bear, episode number 38. I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan of Boston Sports Channel. Connor, how are we doing? Evan, I'm doing very well. How are you doing? I'm doing well. And you are now vaccinated too. You are also vaccinated. I am I am also, yes. I, I've crossed the other side with you, Evan. Uh, got the Moderna shot, part of the Moderna mob. Moderna uh, mob. That's us, yeah, baby. Exactly. Let's so, stick together. So, uh, yes, very thankful, very relieved. Um and uh, looking forward to going to many a outdoor uh, beer garden this summer. So oh, very, yeah. very thankful and relieved. Oh, also, yeah. No. Also, if we're looking at number 38, was that not Jordan Caron? I was just thinking the minute you said yes. number 38, I said Jordan Caron. It is Jordan yes. Caron. Okay, so this it's is the Jordan, Jordan Caron episode. Uh, poke the bear. I know people were definitely listening pissed. That they're like, they're Jordan Caron. It's Jordan Caron. Um, but yes, I'm also excited to be vaccinated as well. Um, so I will be reckless this summer no I'm kidding obviously i'm kidding guys don't, don't come on uh but no i i'm i think it's going to be a fun summer um just to be back out again and things are probably going to be closer to normal i would think i think people will still be in masks i wonder though if the mandates in place still that's a whole nother topic for a different podcast that we don't host so um i guess i'll leave that to the health experts uh rather than the 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 bruins quote-unquote experts uh because some people might argue uh, that anyways, in the land of the Bruins, uh, they, even in a win, even in that four two win over the flyers on Tuesday night that, you know, many people, uh, were very excited by because of one specific player who we'll get to, uh, midway through the show, even in that win, it still isn't that big of a positive because, your best defenseman was announced to be injured out of that game. And then after the game day to day with an upper body injury. And that's Charlie McAvoy. Now, if you watch that game Tuesday night, you would know that the defensive core that was rolled out, that that defensive core of Grizzlick and then 50 like in Moneyball, and they're like 50 feet of crap. And then there's us. It's Matt Grizzlick. There's 50 feet. Well, I may hope put Kevin Miller with Grizzlick actually, because Kevin Miller did hold his own. He played a bunch of minutes in his first game back. Uh, on that knee. Um, so you, you have Kevin Miller, you have Matt Grizzlick, then you got 50 feet of crap. And then there's the rest of uh, the crew. Um, 
maybe 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 a fifty feet of crab is Jacob Zaboral underneath, and then you know maybe that's the fifty feet because maybe it's not everyone. You know, they had, some of those guys had their moments. Um, but the real question is, it, it, can this team survive without Charlie McAvoy? Uh, well, it, based on what we saw on Tuesday, uh, it's not great. Uh, I think it's one of those situations, right, where even if you get some level of good news where at least you have Kevin Miller back who, again, I think all people talk about, you know, uh, his, his injury history, which I mean, when you've taken that much punishment on that knee, uh, it's to be expected, unfortunately. Um, but when Kevin Miller's in and he's your third pairing guy, you do pretty well. I think the Bruins record with him in the last, like 11, three and two, I want to say it's something like that. Like, again, you don't want him being your top pairing guy as he was uh, last game where he's playing. I think it was, over 20 minutes a night or, or close to it. But if you're a third pairing guy, the guy who's going to add some, you know, snarl to the lineup, I think that's great. It's good news. Uh, hopefully he can stay healthy because I think the Bruins could definitely use him, uh, especially going into the playoffs. However, uh, you offset that news with the fact that one Halak is still in COVID protocol. So you had to roll out Jeremy Swayman. And again, you lose Charlie McAvoy. And I think it was Steve Conroy, the Boston Herald, who tweeted it of uh, if that game wasn't uh, the perfect indicator of why Charlie McAvoy should be considered for the Norris Trophy. Um, that was pretty dreadful. Uh, that was, I mean, for most of that game, especially in that second period where the Flyers got 25 shots on goal, uh, the Bruins were just stuck in the mud, right? I mean, it was just like, like they were in molasses. And we talk so much about how good Charlie McAvoy is in many areas of the game. I mean, he's eats up a bunch of minutes, takes on tough assignments, drives five on five play. But where I think he was especially missed in that game was just his overall transition game uh, and pushing the puck out of the D zone through the neutral zone, uh, you know, getting the puck out on the other end of the ice. And I mean, just for more than half of that game, uh, the Bruins were just pretty much on the ropes, right? Like couldn't, couldn't break it out. Uh, you know, ice the puck. It's it pretty much everything that could have gone wrong, went wrong in terms of the transition game in that game. And it was largely due to the fact that you didn't have Charlie McAvoy out there. So it's, kind of uh ironic you look at the state of the Bruins and the fact that you don't have Rask and Halak right now you think that would be you know DEFCON 10 right when you don't have your two starting goalies and right now like are you viewing Dan Vladar and Jeremy Swimming as the most concerning things with this team right now because like I'm frankly not I mean we'll talk about Swimming and Vladar a little bit later but uh when you look at where the big concerns are it's when you're missing the two guys who I think have been the MVPs of your team this year and Brad Marchand, where he missed those two games and they looked absolutely dead and Charlie McAvoy, where I think you saw firsthand just how much they missed him. So again, the Bruins, even if McAvoy was in the lineup, still need another D man. Uh, We'll talk about, you know, obviously Ekholm is the number one guy who's probably off the market now, but he was a guy that you desperately needed when you don't have a guy like him plus McAvoy out of the lineup. I mean, you're pretty much just relying on uh, Bergeron and Marchand to bail you out, which is what they did yesterday. But you can't expect a performance like that, another four-point night from Marchand, to happen with some regularity, right? I mean, that that was just them kind of putting the team on their backs and swimming standing on his head. And that's how you got two points because uh, I would imagine you agree with me that the Bruins did not deserve two points from that game, which is concerning considering how much was at stake. No, they didn't. And and you tweeted it. You said this is the game where – this is a game where – they, this Bergeron line needs to put up, you know, get three goals. And ironically enough, it was exactly that. Um, 
You're right. You're right. And I think we'll hit on this a little bit later with the, with the deadline stuff. Cause I have some thoughts on this, that I tweeted this out. People weren't very happy about it on how they're not just a defenseman away. Like when you look at the, again, and, and you know, you have Carlo with the injury of McAvoy with, with his injuries. Now you have Grizzly quit injury issues at the beginning of the season. Those are your three, you know, pillars on defense and they all have injury problems. They're not all in the lineup right now. I mean, again, we'll get to that later. I don't want to get uh, too quickly. Um, but yes, the defense as a whole uh, last night in the last month and a half uh, has looked really poor. I mean, you just look at the coverage issues. You look at the turnovers as they're coming out of the zone. Get, look, it's play it's the kids season. So, well, that's the thing. It's play the kids season. And, and, and that's great. But you, <laughs> look at what, look at what it, it's got you. Look, look at where you are. And again, like, when, when the season began and you had Zaboral and Miller's that third pairing, like that's fine. Like that, that's good. If that's your third pairing, you know, you can let Zaboral have his mistakes on the third pairing. It's no big deal. The rest of your you know defensive core is set. If that's the only guy that's making mistakes, so be it. You know, you have Grizzlick, you have McAvoy, you have Carlo and you had Lazan up top doing a pretty damn good job before he, before he went down with injury. Um, but when you have a, a decor right now, that's consisting of, you know, Connor Clifton on the second pairing, who has also not looked really that great um, with, you know, and you have Steven Camper in there. Who's, who's fine. You know, Steven Camper's fine, but he's not that he's not super effective. He's not a guy you want in the lineup every single night. Um, I, there's just not a lot of, a lot of optimism for me um, down there where there is optimism though. Actually, before we get to the optimism, you know, the defense hasn't been that sure of a bet lately, but I do know what is a sure bet, not just the vaccine, but bet online. Tell the listeners about bet online, Connor. Absolutely, Evan. Listen up, guys. It's an exciting time of the year around the sports world. The NBA is in full swing. Bruins hockey has returned. And yes, even the Red Sox are back and actually swept the Rays, which is a surprising uh, change of pace considering they looked absolutely terrible last week. So <laughs> yay for baseball being back. Woo, baseball's back. Absolutely. Listen, guys, even if you haven't made it back to Fenway or the Garden just yet, you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. No matter how the schedules change or the players that play, Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online, and we even have an exclusive promo code for our loyal listeners. So go to Bet Online and enter promo code CLNS50, that's CLNS50. For a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. You heard me. A 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Evan, let me tell you, no one beats that. Nobody beats it. So what are you guys waiting for? Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great bonuses, offers, and contests available right now. Again, enter promo code CLNS50. That's CLNS50 for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online. Your online sportsbook experts go there now. I always forget to. It's not I always forget, but there. If I if I if we go through the first segment, we go into the second segment, and I don't do I don't prompt you for for uh, bet online. I always forget. I, I it, it it takes me. You know, I always forget about it. And then you, you'll text me on the side and be like, "Yo, <laughs> you gonna do this?" Uh, but at any rate, um, so what I was hitting at before the positives from Tuesday night's game and from the last couple of games. The swimming of Ladar tandem looks pretty damn good. Uh, and, and now the, the, the beauty of this is now people, you know, people can say trade Rask. Uh, that's, the, that's, the, that's the new thing. You can, you can trade Tuka. I had a friend text me Wednesday morning. Well, now that you can trade, you know, you're going to trade Rask at the deadline. It's like, no, no, not so fast. Let's pump the brakes on all that stuff. 
Um, uh, and I think the long-term ramifications of Swayman of Ladar we'll get into uh, later in the season, later in the off season. Um, but I do think that, you know, again, it's a tiny sample size. This is not much. Um, this is, you know, Swayman has played one game, 40 saves was amazing, by the way. Tr- tremendous. I mean, he played out of his was, mind. Was, let, was left out to dry. So, oh, yeah. yes. But what's funny is, and Cassidy mentioned this. I don't, did you ever cover Hockey East when uh, Swayman was at Maine? I don't believe so. Not, not when he was playing. So I did. And, uh, he used to get shelled with shots. Like that, that guy made that, that guy, I, I don't know the numbers, but I would imagine he averaged at least like 35 saves a game. Like, mm-hmm. they, like they, they would just get shellacked in their own zone and he'd just stand there and he's, he's really chill. He'd go over and like talk to the, you know, he'd like wave at fans through the glass during like, uh, commercial breaks. And he was very chill. Like I was, I was remember he was very, very chill. Um, and that's why when last night when he was smiling and stuff, I was like, well, that's the perfect kid to go into like a first NHL game. I feel like if, if, you know, if I, like, I was just think if I was going to my first NHL game, I would be, you know, just like, so like, Oh my, Oh my God, it's my first, my first game. Holy crap. He's like so chill and, and laid back. Uh, but he put on a great performance. So similar to the McAvoy question, can the Bruins survive with, with Swayman and Vladar in there together? Uh, well, we'll see what happens later on this week when they go up against the Capitals, which not to say that the Flyers are not a talented team, um, even if they are struggling. Uh, I mean, any team can beat any night, but it's a tall order to have, you know, Vladar Swayman all of a sudden be bracing for, you know, Ovechkin waiting in the left circle for a one-timer, right? That's, oh. a, that's a different beast entirely. Um, but I mean, yeah, for right now, uh, you could make the case that the Bruins best goaltending they've received over the last month plus has been, uh, Vladar and Swayman in that one game, right? I mean, Halak has, you know, filled in when needed where Rask has been pretty much out of commission for pretty much a month now. Um, and he's been good some games and not great some other games. I mean, you look at that like Pittsburgh game where they scored seven goals, like that game was still a nail biter because Halak led in some goals that you just can't have, especially if we get to the playoffs. So, um, again, for right now, like, I, I don't think, you know, it's worth going into the, oh, well, they don't need Rask now, right? Obviously, they need to go Rask. Like, as much as I think the the narrative is now kind of brewing, right, that you're getting, uh, you know, you don't need Rask. You clearly need him for, for this run that you're going to go on. Um, so I think you just have to look at it as a day-by-day thing, and it's about just kind of traversing through this stretch you're in right now, right, where you've got two games upcoming against the Capitals, who are the top dogs in the East that are going to be a big measuring stick for you. You've got another game against the Flyers, your last game against them on Saturday, where with another two points, you can continue to build some kind of breathing room between those guys. So I think it's all about surviving this week. Um, and then I think after that, you've got seven of your last 17 games against the Sabres. So, which is uh, not too bad, even though they're starting to win some more games now. So of course, like the Sabres are going to get hot now that the Bruins play them down the stretch. But, um, but yeah, I mean, for right now, as I said earlier, you look at all the different flaws and issues with this team. I think goaltending is like, fifth or sixth down the list, right? Like it's not like the optics aren't great, right? Of you relying on two guys who I think most expected were just going to cut their teeth in the AHL this year. The optics aren't great, but in terms of the actual production and the play, you know, there's not been one game where they've come up short and you like, you know, you hang your head on Vladar Swayman uh, letting you down, right? Even the game uh, Vladar lost, I wouldn't call him the issue there, right? The Bruins had absolutely nothing going on in that loss to the Penguins. So, um, yeah, so far so good. It's all about just kind of, I think, traversing through this stretch here and then kind of 
you know, viewing uh, kind of what to do in, in the coming years, because I don't know if the Bruins is going to walk away from Rask. Like I, you know, that's probably a conversation for another day. Uh, Cause I still think he's got good hockey left in him, but in the, the frame of what the Bruins need right now uh, in terms of staying afloat with all these injuries, both Vladar and Swimman are more than kind of carrying that load right now. Uh, shout out Scott McLaughlin, by the way, this tweet last night, uh, the, the Bruins tweeted out the lineup. He said, well, at least Swayman already has some experience playing behind an AHL defense. So that was, uh, that was pretty good. Good one, Scott. Um, but it, you mentioned a funny thing and it's, you know, what the future is with Rask, um, and Halak if Ladar and Swayman play really well. Um, and I, I, I'm with you. I think ultimately Rask has some good hockey left. You know, I'd say two, three years. Um, you know, he has prime hockey left, uh, or close to it at least. Uh, but what you do have to wonder now, let's say Swayman and Vladar finish out the season. They played really well down the stretch. I think that probably means Halak is gone. They would let Halak walk, I would imagine. Um, but you also have to consider, okay, let's say you re-sign Rask for two to three years. And then you have Vladar as the backup and Swayman in the AHL. How long do you want Swayman in the AHL for? How long do you want Vladar to be a backup? That really is what it comes down to. And it's sort of what the Ducks ran into um, in the mid 2010s when they had, they had John Gibson, they had Frederick Anderson. Um, and it seems like they picked the right one. Gibson's you know, plays out of his mind. Uh, sucks. He's on those ducks teams, but it's like an insane, insane numbers every year. Um, and Frederick Anderson has been good up in Toronto. So I guess they, I guess, you know, they, they had two very good goalies. I don't know if that's the situation here. Uh, but how long do you want those guys being backups? How long do you want them in the AHL for? So I think those are questions that the Bruins are gonna have to answer. And we will probably discuss more at length in later episodes, probably the off season. Cause that would be a good yeah. off season episode when there's nothing going on in mid July. Or, or we revisit it. Cause again, I think the expectation is Rass is going to be back before the end of the regular season, but let's just say we're on the, the eve of the playoffs and Rask is still hurt or it's still bothering him. And Swayman has a, a nine twenty seven save percentage or something in like ten games, then then I think we can have the conversation because uh, again, it's not a, a flash in the pan that you sometimes have a goalie that comes out of nowhere and you ride the hot hand to a promising playoff run. So I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm not saying that that's you know what we're you know looking ahead to, but uh, we could very much revisit this conversation in just a couple of weeks if Rask and Halak uh, either are not playing well or they're still kind of out of commission. Yeah, so that's a good segue to my next uh, to the next segment, and that is the deadline. The deadline is April 12th. Uh, it is coming very soon. Um, and it's tough because, you know, if you asked us back in January or in February, what should the Bruins do? It was easy. Go out and get a top four defenseman, and if you can – Get a top six right winger for Krejci. You'll be good. You'll be set. You'll be fine. They're going to be first or second place in the East. And, uh, you know, you're going to maximize the window. But as we've seen, and I tweeted this last night or, or uh, now Tuesday night, was nights like Tuesday, even with the win, even the 4-2 win, you basically won because Bergeron and Marshawn, and then you also had your AHL goalie come in and make 40 saves in his first game. Um, by the way, I don't mean AHL in a bad way. I mean, like literally he'd only, he'd only played in the AHL. Yes. Um, so you won by the skin of your teeth for most, you know, you got outshot as bad as you did in the second period. McAvoy is now out with an injury. Rask has this back injury that like you, you just, 
You don't know when he's going to be fully healthy. That could easily pop up in the playoffs again. You could be in the middle of round one and he's sitting out game three or four because of a back issue. Um, so you have Rask, you have, you have Carlo with his issues. You have Miller with his issues. You have McAvoy now with some issues. Grizzlick had issues at the beginning of the season. You've had, you know, tough times scoring up front. The power play isn't great. You know, and I know I'm just piling it on here, but my point is, is this team worth doing a lot? Is this team worth giving up a first round pick next year for? Is this team really a defenseman, a, a top four defenseman away? I mean, you know, you put Matias Ekholm on this group and let's say you put Philip Forsberg. Let's say you go completely all in getting guys. You get Ekholm in, in Forsberg. Are you now confident that the Bruins are going to get past the Islanders or the Capitals or even the Penguins? Like, I don't. I don't really know. And it kind of hinges on, you know, again, if Swayman or Vladar get hot, because you know what you have with Halak. You know that Halak is probably not going to get you past a team that's better than you, especially when you went against the Lightning. So you know that you're going to get steady goaltending, but he ain't going to really steal you any games against teams that are uh, much better than you. But with Vladar and Swayman, I mean, maybe, maybe they, as you said, they get hot. But again, is this team worth going all in for? I mean, I, I frankly think that's kind of the only option is to go not, and again, I'm not saying they're going to just trade, you know, first round picks for the sake of it, but I think the Bruins aren't in a spot where they can either stand pat because they clearly need help. Uh, and I think both with the being cognizant of the window that they have coupled with the fact that you could still probably get, let's say, you know, we talked about Hall before, but like even if it's Paul Mary and it's, I don't know, Bjork in a second round pick or something like that, like are you not going to pull Is that a trade that, you're going to view down the road as being like, ah, like that, that trade was not worth it. Like, I think those are the deals that are both available right now and ones that you can do to both improve the team this year and just, you know, see where the chips fall. Because let's be frank. I mean, people thought the the lightning were going to, you know, carve through everyone two years ago and that all went to crap. And the team that won was the blues who were out of it. Not saying that happens every year, but frankly, it's all about who's hot at the right time for the Bruins. And I'm sure, Maybe it's just them, you know, this would be the narrative that they probably want to craft, but they probably look at it like, all right, we play the Sabres seven times down the stretch. We're going to get healthy. Uh, if we have Rask out uh, and Swayman and Vladar are playing well, we can you know, hold him out to recover. We've got other guys getting back healthy. If we hit the, you know, if we build some momentum and get hot at the right time, that's all we kind of need to get through some of these matchups. So, and again, I think the, the biggest thing too, is that I don't know what else, what else the options are. Like, are you going to sell? Cause everyone I'm reading all that. Now people are like saying that the Bruins should sell who are they selling and who are you selling it to? Like, all right, you want to move Rask? Who do you want to, who want, who needs a, a goalie that has the cap space to do it? Like you want to trade David Krejci. Okay. You want who needs a, uh, a center, the Vegas golden Knights, the Vegas golden Knights, dress 16 friggin' skaters in one of their last games because they have no friggin' cap space. Nothing on LTIR. They had 17 guys dressed because they don't have any friggin' money. They're like, in the locker room breaking Max Petrie's arm to put him on LTIR. If, if there was ever a season where you can't just toss out these contracts uh, just to, to clear space, it's this year. Which again, bad luck for the Bruins, but I just it's not feasible even with salary retention because like all right you want to you know retool and rebuild you can't just trade rask and like who's available that's even going to eat half of that contract right now who's available to take half of david Krejci's contract it's not it's not how it's working this year with the way the cap is the bruins are one of the few teams who are able to buy at the deadline you wonder why it's always just them 
and the Islanders who have cap space because of Anders Lee's injury. Like there's not a lot of teams out there and there's not a lot of teams selling because they're either afraid of, you know, uh, handing around money or, uh, you know, there's only so many buyers out there. So uh, I think the only option the Bruins really have is to just, um, I don't know if go for it's the right thing, but I think it is to buy because you have to just see what you have from this group uh, without sacrificing, you know, major assets just for, for one crazy run. Like if it's, you know, if they, they panic and all of a sudden it's, you know, you trade Debrusque in a first and like Sudnika for uh, Ekholm, they're like, oh, okay, well, you we probably shouldn't have done that. But if it's, you know, trading Bjork in a second for Paul Mary and, you know, looking at a guy like Alexiak or uh, one of these other kind of depth defensemen to help you out, it's better than nothing, right? Because, again, people are going to bemoan the fact that if they don't win, they should have sold. Take a look on – please go to Cap Friendly. It's a great website and learn the reality of what's going on because they're not going to be able to just do a fire sale this year. If there, again, if there's any year you can't do that, it's this year. It's also not worth it. Like the, the, They don't need to sell. I, I, I genuinely don't think you need to sell. Mm-hmm. Um, my point is exactly what you just said. I don't think you give up your first-round pick this year. Or you do everything you can not to, at least. Or unless but, it's, yeah, unless it's a deal that helps you this year and going forward. Because as, as you've said, and you and you made this point with Ekholm, like if you get Ekholm, you're not exposing him in the expansion draft. So are you going to expose Carlo or Grizzlick? And Seattle's taking those guys. So that's why to me, um, if it is, it, like, I, I, that's why I've been saying like Taylor Hall or Kyle Palmieri. Because uh, you're, I don't think you're going to have to give up a first for those. I know they want a first for Taylor Hall. I don't know how that would happen. I mean, maybe with something with, you know, retaining uh, his his nine million dollar cap hit. But um, th- those moves where you don't have to give up so much, you don't have to give up Sednica or Johnny Beecher or a first, <laughs> makes sense. Um, I don't know how you're doing that though on D again, like maybe Alexiak, um, <laughs> Mark Stahl, um, you know, David Savard or something. But I, I don't. I saw Josh Manson's name kicking around. I know um, Dmitry uh, Dmitry Kulikov was the name yep. that was th- tossed around as well. Um, I, you know, again, that helps. It helps, but I, <laughs> I, I I continue to look at it. And when you look at like the track record of teams that do well uh, in the playoffs and go deep and usually win cups, at the deadline they're usually adding depth pieces. You look at the Lightning last year; they added depth pieces. Um, and you look at most teams in most years they win a cup. It's they're not adding the big top six winger. Um, they're not adding a bunch of pieces. Like you're, you're either close or you're not. And I don't know if the Bruin, I don't know if, if, a, you know, if you go out and you even got a Philip Forsberg, I don't know, but again, it's hockey, not to sound cliche, but it is hockey and yeah. they do have the experience and they have the core. Um, and again, if they miraculously get healthy uh, on D by, you know, mid May, then you might have a run. Um, but to me, I just look at this team and I look at the way they played this year and the, the, the shortcomings, uh, scoring wise and the inconsistencies and the injuries and the turnovers on D and there's not a lot there that makes me think, well, they're, they're like two pieces away. Like, no, they're, they're not. Um, but you're, but you're right. I mean, they, again, at the end of the day, they owe it to the, the veteran core. They owe it to Krejci and Bergeron, um, and Marshawn to, to go for it. Like I, 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 again, like, as you said, you don't, you don't sell with this team. Um, now, now I do have to say though, we got to make some predictions on what we think they might do. Now, last year we did a prediction show. I think we recorded it for Bruins beat on deadline day, or maybe the day before. <laughs> and I remember I said, I think the Bruins are going to go out and get Tyler to Foley. 
And that night he was traded, like before it even released. I was like, this is great. Um, so I had to go in the description of the show and put like in parentheses recorded before he was traded yes. <laughs> to yes. Vancouver. Um, but what do you think they do? Like, what, what do you think they realistically do? Um, I, my prediction is they get Palmieri and Kulikov in a package deal from Jersey. And I guarantee, I bet that you're going to hear discussions that they tried to make another push for Ekholm and didn't. And that's what you get. I think if this was a perfect situation where, uh, Nashville was, uh, you know, teetering closer to being out of the playoffs, even though I think Chicago's only two points behind them. So who knows? There might be a late push where uh, the Bruins or another team are prompted to try to go all in for them. But uh, you look at them, you look at Arizona, who I think it was, I think it was Friedman who said that like the, the thinking with Arizona is like, they want to blow it up, but they can't now. It's like, well, great. So enjoy, you know, cause I, I think my number one target, the Bruins should w- would go after is a guy like, uh, Garland. I think Garland fits perfectly with what they want, both for now and for the future. But as I don't see how they can move him, uh, just the optics of that right now. Again, crazy things have happened, but, um, so I'm going to go Palmieri and Kulikov and, uh, a, a late push for Ekholm, but I don't think it, it gets done. Yeah, I, it's funny for me. Um, I wanted them to get Taylor Hall. I don't think that's realistically what's going to happen. I have a weird feeling that he's going to go somewhere else something I just don't feel like it's a deal that's going to get done. Palmieri is the guy I think they get. They were very close on him last year. I do think that that gets it done um, this year. Now I wonder how effective he's going to be, but that's a whole nother topic for another day on defense. Kulikov's a new name. So I, I feel like Alexiak might be a one that they might go after. He's a big bodied uh, left shot defenseman, um, stable, consistent. Uh, weren't the Bruins in on Kulikov like a few years ago? I think so. Like yeah, vaguely I, a little bit. And he's, you know, he's not going to be leading your breakout, right? He's not going to be the one making the first passes, but he's a steady third pairing defense first guy, which honestly you kind of need right now. If, him and, if your third pairing is Kulikov and Kevin Miller, you've, you're fine. You're good. Yeah. That, that yeah, helps more that, than you would you got. Like, honestly, like even if it's not at home, you need help on the decor. And again, on paper, if everyone's fully healthy, this team is one that is a cup contender, but yes. they're not fully healthy. And that's the issue. And these are not yes. injuries that can just be cured in three weeks. These are issues mm-hmm. that are lasting. So I think a lot of people are like, why are they being so negative? And it's like, well, the, the health aspect of it, like yes. your your third pairing is not Kevin Miller and uh, even Zaboral or, or Kulikov if they, they acquire him. The third pairing is Stephen Kampfer and Jacob Zaboral or Tenorti and Kampfer. And it's like, well, they're... There's your thing. Like that, that's, that's why. So I do think that that's what happens. Part of me thinks it's going to be like a Bobby Ryan. Part of me thinks that somehow that Palmieri is not going to work out or the asking price is going to be too high and they go for, uh, for Bobby Ryan. They go small. I don't think they get Mark Stahl. I, I don't think that happens. Um, but I do think that I, I could see them doing it. I just could see them doing it. Um, it also feels like a year where they acquire someone but not like someone, someone that, you know, like when they, um, when they were acquiring like John Michael Lyles a few years ago or, mm-hmm. or uh, like uh, Lee Stempniak or, you know, mm-hmm. th- that band of brothers, um, yes. I could see them do it. I could see them also doing, but I will say I'll, I'll put it down Palmieri and I'll say Alexiak. Those are my two. I think, I don't think, I don't think they do more than two moves. Most teams don't. 
um, then you're getting to first. Now, what they give up for those, I would expect Bjork to go back for Palmieri. I think that would make sense. That almost happened yeah. last year, so I would assume I think, that I it think would he needs a, happen I think again this year. Scenery. You need a change, so Palmieri. I, I think Bjork would be going back in that deal for Palmieri, probably a second as well as you said, Alexiak. I mean, maybe you can do a third, like and and a prospect. I, I I you know I don't know that. I don't know him as well when it comes to the trade market for him. Um, I haven't seen a ton reported on maybe Alexiak's asking price, yeah. but but I do think that um, I think they end up adding because again, Sweeney when when Sweeney spoke with us uh, a few weeks ago, he was very open to like we're we want to shake things up if if things get bad. And things have gotten bad, so. <laughs> Um, I would not be surprised. Also, they're they're going to probably be in the playoffs. Like I I I I don't think that they don't make it. It's just yes. Like, do they get past the first round? Right. Um, that's sort of the big thing. Bruins versus uh, Capitals in the first round, by the way, is going to be wild. Imagine Chara yes. beats him in the playoffs. Have fun with that, guys. Yep. Um, and maybe maybe us speaking low of what the Bruins will do at the deadline for you know it, it jinxes it and they do something bigger. Like just the past couple of years, Holland. Yeah. Hall Pass. for two seconds. Can't ever McDavid Crosby, but it's yeah, funny. You know, last year we were saying oh, they're gonna do all these big things, and they kind of did, I guess. Richie Kasha, but still not that big. No. Um, didn't steal but, headlines. No, did not. Did not steal headlines. Andre Kasha was not like the talk of the town for more than twenty seconds. Yeah. Um, Richie was deadline day though. Kasha was yes. before, so I'm very interested to see when the Bruins make these moves because it's it's coming down to the wire here. This is not. I, we were saying they should have done this, you know, earlier. These moves should have been done before, but who knows what ends up happening. Um, anyways, what can the people look forward to over Boston Sports Journal with you? Yeah, obviously, uh, leading up to the deadline, we're going to have a few more breakdowns. We did a, a pros and cons on a Taylor Hall deal last week that did pretty well. And uh, we're working on one that will probably be posted by the time this podcast gets released on Kyle Palmieri and where his fit is. Um, and looking at a few other uh, potential trade candidates kind of uh, leading up to Monday's deadline. So all that will be over at BSJ. So subscribe to bostonsportsjournal.com, and you can follow me on Twitter at Connor Ryan underscore 93. Go do all that. For CLS Media, I'm Evan Marinovsky. That's Connor Ryan. You poke the bear listeners. Have an amazing rest of your day. <laughs>